Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the weekly podcast of Center Church San Diego. We are so happy to connect with you online today. You matter to God. You really do. Whatever your past, no matter what your circumstance right now, God loves you. And you belong right here. Hope starts now as we invite Christ to take his rightful place at the center of our lives. So let's jump in. Super Bowl Sunday, so it's the unofficial stage, uh, like stuff your face day of America. Um, it's said that 8 million pounds of, of guacamole will be consumed today. Um, 14,500 tons of chips will be eaten along with that guac today, and that's only my house. So, uh, but this, after, this afternoon, it's pretty special, man, as it relates to sports. Uh, football, friends, and, and food, man, even if you're not a huge sports fan, you might hit a Super Bowl party or, 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 or two and just hang with, with some people, and that's cool, too. Uh, something you got to understand about sports fans is that we're crazy, okay? We're, we're a different type of breed, especially diehard fans, and they kind of scare me. They're, you know, there's something else. Um, I want to show you a picture here uh, this morning. The Philadelphia Police Department, they did something interesting a couple years ago when they took Crisco shortening, that stuff that grandma used to use when she would cook, right? They took that, and the Philly PD, uh, they, they would grease the light poles, okay, for rowdy football fan, uh, fans because they were climbing up these poles, and potentially they were going to hurt themselves. Um, and apparently, this actually didn't work because later on that year, they had to change their tactic, and they had to use hydraulic fluid instead of the Crisco because fans are figuring out ways to beat the Crisco. So if somebody walks into the Super Bowl party today smelling like Crisco, man, I keep an eye out on that person. Because um, these, are, these are the type of people who start their sentences with, bro, hold my beer, watch this, right? They're those type of people. So look out for those guys, man. Nothing good ever happens when you start a sentence with, bro, hold my beer. Um, but whether you're a sports fan or not, man, we are glad you're here this morning. We're launching a new series um, for the month of February that I believe... Uh, we, we can use this to help us when we need some perspective. Because I believe, I think it's pretty easy to go through life and get blindsided by something foolish and something that sends maybe your life spinning around. And no matter how that looks like for you, I know that we all have our let's beat the Crisco moments in life. Because maybe we thought it'd be fun <laughs> for some reason. Uh, maybe we thought it was a good idea at the time. Or maybe we just didn't think it well through enough um, through the lens of biblical wisdom. And that's what this series is all about. So we're going to take the time to stop and we're going to begin to reevaluate some guardrails in our lives that we can incorporate to help keep us safe from harm's way. Um, so uh, show of hands here. How many of us maybe been in a fender bender or two? Okay, a couple of car accidents in our time. And that's a pretty helpless feeling. Okay, um, isn't it? And you know, I want to give you an example here. In college, I actually, um, I did a ministry internship at the church that I grew up in, in National City. Um, and one morning, I was heading off to work, and I exited onto the 805 freeway from the 8th Street. And if, maybe if some of you guys are familiar um, with, with that area, if you go down 8th Street, there's an on-ramp that goes to the 805. And I fell asleep behind the wheel driving. Um, let me give you some context, okay? So the night before, gosh, this is going to be bad. So the night before, like a good college student, okay, I stayed up all night long 
studying. Yeah, right. That wasn't the case. Okay. I, the truth was, um, I was actually playing video games with a buddy. All right. Um, the guy who's preaching to you today stayed up all night, um, uh, just playing video games with a buddy. And then, uh, you know, I had work the next day. I had this internship. So I showered, I changed, I headed off to do God's work. Right. Um, and then I was going down the, the, going down H street and I was about to get onto the freeway and all of a sudden, boom, like I wake up and I just realized I hit a guardrail and I totaled my truck. Praise God that, you know, in my stupidity, no one was hurt. Okay. I didn't hit anybody. I wasn't hurt as well. And probably a more bruised ego, okay, than anything. Um, that's people, they're like passing by, just kind of rubbernecking my situation. Um, and, no, you know, nobody came out to help me. I, like when I, when I stop and think about it. But that was a foolish decision on my part that day. And, you know, I had driven past thousands and thousands of guardrails up to that point in my life. But I never realized how absolutely essential they were until I went down the freeway that day. And see, not only did that guardrail help keep me safe, but it kept other people safe as well. And it prevented me from totally, you know, having this devastating thing, uh, outcome that happened in my life. And I'm super thankful for that. And this is what a guardrail is. If you're taking notes this morning, go ahead and write this down. A guardrail is a safety system designed to prevent something from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. It's a safety system. It helps you from straying from these areas in life where it's, it's, it's dangerous, it's off-limit for us. And in this series, we're going to be uh, really talking about wisdom. And uh, we're going to be talking about how we can maximize fulfillment in our lives while minimizing the fallout of foolish decisions that we might make. And we're going to look at the most central areas of our lives here for the next few weeks, and we're going to see if we can install maybe a guardrail or two so that we can live more, like what Jessica said, I love it, wreck less. Because no one sets out to be a fool in life, right? You know, like, hey, Josh, what do you do with your life today? Hey, man, I'm going to start it off with some cereal, and then I'm just going to finish it up by falling asleep behind the wheel, you know, onto some, you know, oncoming traffic one day. I don't think anybody ever sets out to be foolish in their life. And I think most people, they want, a benef- they want the benefit of wise living. And they just don't see the foolishness that, that comes when it does. And that's why so often many of us, we, we need to lean into some perspective today that's actually outside of our own heads. It's not just internal. And we all need it because uh, there are those in our lives who, who, who can see those blind spot areas that maybe we don't have the clearest view of. And that's what I do with my wife. Okay, I, I count her as really wise in my life or other proven or trusted leaders, people that I kind of lean into. And I pause and I gain insight uh, from someone who is wise. People who might be just a little, a little further along on their journey than I am. People who can speak faith and love into my life. And it's called the posture of wisdom. In Proverbs 27, verse number 12, this is what it says. It says, a prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers consequences. See, the prudent person or the sensible person, 
they see dangerous situations and they're the person who takes action. They take those precautions and they adjust in order to take precautions in their life because there's a warning there. Another translation actually puts it this way. A prudent person sees trouble coming and they duck. They literally get out the way and a simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. It's like the boxer who's trained in, you know, all offense and no defense, and they're all show and no go, and when that bell is rung and the opponent, they, they hit him with the left hook, uh, they just stand there blindly, and they think they, they could take that hit, but moments later, that person's knocked out, and he's KO'd. He's out for the count, and he didn't duck. He saw danger, but he didn't move. And the Bible actually calls this person a simpleton. That's the biblical word. And that literally means someone who is not very intelligent. Someone who doesn't have a good sense of judgment. But the wise, they take precautions. And today and in the weeks ahead, we're going to be looking at how we can uh, go about wrecking less in our lives. And in order to do that, we're going to take on this little roadside accessory that we like to call the guardrail. And we're not talking about roadside assistance this morning. Uh, we're not uh, talking about, um, tr- you know, s- the triple A on speed dial because I got an emergency situation happening. Okay, this decision is made way before we even enter the car and drive off onto the road. We're looking at developing some personal guardrails today. So go ahead and write this second one down. This is what a personal guardrail is. It's a preventative measure that protects me from falling off a personal cliff. A preventative measure that protects me from falling off a personal cliff. And the reason this guardrail principle is so important is that because I'm guessing maybe some of the biggest regrets in our lives could have been avoided if we had just had a guardrail set up uh, from, from keeping us from crashing and burning. And think about your biggest disappointment. Thinking about the thing that you might be most remorseful about in your life. If you had had a a, a personal guardrail set up, could that have kept you from going over the cliff? I would say so. I would think so. And, you know, let's talk about how these personal guardrails work before we go too much further. Understand, okay, that this isn't a one-size-fits-all measure for everyone, all right? This is not the law. And these aren't, you know, personal uh, 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 things that it's kind of a blanket statement. They're personal preventative measures. And these are self-imposed safeguards for us. And this won't be the same for everybody, okay? Um, Personal guardrails, they're not the same because we are all different, okay? We all have different struggles in our life and we all have issues. If you just look down your row, you would see what I'm talking about. Everybody's different. And what tempts you might not be what tempts me and vice versa. And let me give you an example. So <clears throat> if you were to leave here and go over to my house, right? And, you know, we walk into my living room and suppose there's a gigantic pile of drugs on the table. Hypothetically, okay? Hypothetically. Man, people were like, Pastor Josh, what happened? Like, he's, he's going to Vegas. Like, I don't know. Jesus, okay. We're, we're hypothetically, okay? Hypothetically this morning. Maybe we got worried there for a second. Okay, suppose you walk into my house, okay, and, and on the table, there's a gigantic pile of drugs, okay? First of all, I'd wonder, what was my wife doing before service? But in all honesty, that wouldn't be a temptation for me, okay? 
Drugs were never a, a curiosity on my end. I had the opportunities just like anybody else, but they never represented a personal cliff in my life that, that might be different for you. Okay? Others of you here, you might have a, uh, uh, that might be a serious temptation for you. Uh, that might, you might be someone who's experienced recovery in, in, in this, you know, devastating area and a lot of people's lives. And, you know, praise God for that victory, but that's not my personal story. Um, for me, if you, you know, put a carne sada burrito out there on the table, right? If you uh, got that Patty LaBelle sweet potato pie out there, I'm probably eating until I pass out, okay? That's more my weakness. If you toss in a Diet Dr. Pepper, I'm good. Um, but, you know, I think we all understand here there's no abs right here, right? That's, that's more my weakness, okay? Um, we all need to establish these personal guardrails because you know what you struggle with. You know that what's the, great, the greatest potential of weakness in your life if it's left unguarded. And that might look different for all of us. And we want to examine what we can do to protect these most vital areas in, your, in our lives. So if you're taking notes this morning, here's number one. Go ahead and write this down. Guardrails help me live more and wreck less. Guardrails help me live more and wreck less. This was, you know, definitely true for me going down the freeway that morning. And thanks to God, man, I didn't hit anybody and nobody hit me. And establishing some personal guardrails in our lives um, it, it helps us to live more and wreck less just as much as a person who is going down the road. Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, number 17, uh, 15 to 17, it says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is what these verses are saying. It's saying, we are living in days where people are actually growing colder and colder to faith and Jesus. So as followers of Christ, if you count yourself as someone who has a relationship with Jesus and you are a follower of Jesus, the challenge here is to seize the opportunity to walk in biblical wisdom, even though we live in a world who is opposed to that. Even though we live in a world who is far from it. One translation actually says this, redeem the time. Take that time back. There is value in that. Or make the most of this time for the glory of God. Living not as unwise, but as wise. And we do this by establishing this early warning system uh, in our lives to prevent that big wreck, that big mess, that big accident. And it's called walking in wisdom. It's a standard of behavior that, uh, that, that deflects us away from the cliff's edge. And I want you to think about something this morning. Stop and think about this. The next time you're driving on a curvy road, when you see those guardrails, I want you to, to realize why it's actually there. Realize that there is a purpose and there is a reason why that's, that's there. And it's because in all likelihood, at, at some point before you, somebody, unfortunately, they probably went off the road in that section. See, we, we don't put up guardrails where it's easy going. We don't put up 
guardrails where, you know, the road is just not, you know, uh, straight and narrow and it's, you know, it's easy to drive. Uh, uh, we, we do them where the road is most treacherous, where it's most dangerous, where we are the weakest. And our society has, you know, they literally do not know how to do this. You might see it on TV or in commercials, and it's this big kind of blanket statement that they make. Drink responsibly. Hey, just, just you know, drink, that's fine, yeah. Just drink responsibly. And I think that we would all agree that, man, that's not a bi- b- bad idea, right? I, I think that we can all agree that no one should drink irresponsibly, right? But that's not a guardrail. It's not a guardrail. And here's why. Because the line between responsible... And irresponsible, but often it gets hazy, oftentimes. And the closer we actually get to that line, the less we even care. The less we even care. The closer in proximity that you, that you allow yourself to, that thing that you struggle with, will often present itself as more of a temptation, and it gets harder and harder when we're closer and closer to the line. See, an alcoholic might not be able to drink responsibly. Someone with a deep addiction to alcohol has much a, a much stronger pull or, or chance to fall prey in that area than one who doesn't struggle with the bottle. And the same goes in, in other areas of our lives. And society tells teenagers, you know, you might hear it all the time, hey, hey, don't have sex until you're ready. Don't have sex and, until you're ready. That's fine. Hey, just wait until... You're ready, and most of us would agree that uh, there's some real dangers in the area of sex, okay, right? STDs, pregnancy, emotional scars, or even abuse, and, you know, everyone in our culture, we would probably agree on that. But our, our culture, their, their, their answer to that has always been, hey, just, just wait until you're ready. Just wait until you're ready. Have you ever met a teenage boy before, okay? Like, I, I, I was one before, right? They were born ready, all right? That's, that's not a guardrail. Let me give you some practical ideas, okay, in the area of relationships and sex that are real guardrails. I'll, I'll be real, real um, PC this morning about it, all right? If you want to protect your marriage from an affair, don't flirt with other people. We have a home life. We have a work life. Let's, 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 let's be careful. It's a guardrail. A guardrail is choosing not to do one-on-one lunches or dinners with the opposite sex. It's choosing not to develop deep emotional friendships with the opposite sex who isn't your spouse. Maybe you need to examine your social network history. Those messages that, 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 that nobody else sees and it's only you. See, I, I want you to understand this morning, this is not a, um, a legalistic church by any means. This is not being mean-spirited. This is protecting yourself because your marriage matters. And my marriage matters. And our marriage matters to God. And protecting your marriage from going over a cliff, protect yourself. Put up that guardrail. When I stood in in front of my loved ones with my wife, I made a vow before Almighty God that I was going to be faithful to her. She was the one in my life. And for my friends who are single, what guardrails are you establishing in your life that will help you live as unto Is going to lunch with somebody automatically mean that I'm, you know, cheating on my significant other? Of course not, okay? Is a Facebook friendship, same as an affair? No, of course not. But that's the point of the guardrail. It's never placed right at the edge of the cliff. 
It's anchored there in a place of safety to prevent you from traveling to that place of danger. Take the step to place a preventative measure, a, a behavioral safe zone in place. And back it up well away from the dangerous cliff. Guardrails help you live more and wreck less. Here's number two today. Here's number two this morning. Sometimes I want to live as close to the edge as possible. Sometimes I want to live as close to the edge as possible. Man, isn't that true sometimes? Man, I just I want to live on the edge. It's more exciting out there. Okay? There's a danger there that's often really attractive for us. People ask all the time, and I hear it all the time. They ask about, you know, various, you know, kind of sinful behaviors. Hey, Pastor Josh, they're like, what do you think about this, man? I'm, you know, this is something that's, you know, I kind of got going on in my life. I just want to know where is, where can I draw the line? Where can I kind of put that, right? They want clarification, and we want to know exactly where the cliff is so that we can live right on the edge. And we see it on San Diego beaches all the time, man. What's, what's Sunset Cliffs for? It's for falling off of, right, is what it seems to be in San Diego. People do it all the time. They want to be on the edge. They want to feel that thrill. They want that perfect Instagram or Facebook shot, and then boom, they're in danger. It happens all the time. And oftentimes we want to get right out on the edge because anything less we deem as well, that's not real living. That's not exciting to me. It, that this, is, this is something actually that it's not new for people in society. Human beings have been buying into this lie for uh, as long as the creation of man. And in Genesis chapter 3, this is what it, uh, I'm going to read that here in a second. It describes the first time um, a person was trying to climb over guardrails that God had set. And temptation was getting closer to the first man and the first woman in the Bible, Adam and Eve. And Satan was there to kind of push them off the edge. Genesis 3.1, this is what it says. It says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And if you grew up in church, you, you might, you know, remember the rest of the story. They eat the apple and they sin. And from that moment on, death had entered into the world. And the consequences of that actually are still on us today. And this is something I like to call the original lie. Write that down, the original lie. This was the lie that God was holding out on them. God was holding out on Adam and Eve. It's like, man, I can't get to this thing that I really want. God must be like keeping me from something because he doesn't want me to have that thrill and have that excitement. God, uh, this was the thought that God was making Adam and Eve miss out on something really special. And isn't it interesting how the serpent tempted Adam and Eve? And he suggested that, you know, maybe God was holding out on you. He tried to convince them to doubt the goodness of God, and, and Satan was like, hey, you're going to be missing out on something really fun. You know, God, is, is God really saying that? Did he really say, like, not eat from that tree? Man, come on, just flirt with it. Hey, you deserve it. Man, that's, that's a lie I love to tell myself. Hey, you deserve it, man. You deserve that client sort of fries. Just go, go, you're good. You had a hard week. Hey, your, your wife is sick. Have some fun. It's all right. It's cold outside. You deserve it, Josh. You're getting skinny. Come on. Understand this. There are always consequences when we live beyond the guardrails and we fall for the original lie. That God is holding out on us. So here's the hope. 
Here's the hope, and I like to call this the original truth. The original truth that God was actually looking out for them. God is actually looking out for them, and he's looking out for us. See, God had a way bigger perspective than Adam and Eve. And he understood things that they didn't, and uh, he, he had a guardrail there, and that was actually to protect them, not to have, not to hold anything back from them. And maybe, you know, you moms in the house today, man, you understand this idea really intrinsically. Any moms in the house today? Any moms in the house? Good. Yeah, that's what's up. You probably say things to your kids, right? If they're, if they're old enough to run, you're probably like, hey, don't run with scissors in your hands. Okay? Don't, uh, my mom, don't, don't run with scissors in your hands. That's how she sounds. She's not in church today, so I can say that. Uh, don't, you know, don't ride your bike in the middle of traffic. Okay, like, put on your helmet before you ride, things like that. That's the stuff that you say. But do you tell your kids that because you're afraid that they're going to break the scissors? Right? Is it because you want to keep them from, ha- you know, from the fun of running with something sharp? Is that what we want to keep them from? No. It's to keep them from injury. It's to keep them from getting hurt. It's to, to, to look out for them. You, you care for their safety. You love them. So you warn them about those things. And this is the tension that we actually face each day as followers of Christ. We want to live as close to the edge as possible. But let me ask you a question here this morning. Will we believe the lie that God is actually holding out on us? Or will, will we accept the truth that he is actually looking out for what's best for you and me? Are we going to believe the original lie, or are we going to accept the original truth? That God actually loves you, and he has a plan for your life, and he's protecting you from some serious, dangerous things in your life. So, man, put that guardrail there. Sometimes I live as close to the edge as possible, then, man, when all the excitement dies down, and I finally realized, man, the edge is not where I want to be. I step back, and I get behind the safety of the personal guardrails that I've set for me in my life because I understand it's there to keep me from falling off the edge. God is actually looking out for me. He's looking out for me. Here's the last thought this morning. Number three, and this is what it says. It says, guardrails set me up for godly success. Guardrails set me up for godly success. One of the the coolest pictures that I believe God paints in the Bible is this kind of relationship that he brings to us as his heavenly father. The Bible describes God as our eternal dad. And what do, what do good parents do? Uh, they want like what's right for their kids, right? They, they want to protect. They want to set them up for success. They don't want to set them up for failure. Man, I want you to to be successful. I want to protect you. I want what's best for you. That's what good parents do. And Jesus said it himself in Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11, when he said this. You parents, if you ask your children, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you give them a stone instead. Or if they ask for a fish, you give them a snake. Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your heavenly Father give good, give, give good gifts to those who ask Him? 
See, Jesus is revealing the heart of, of, of Father God towards us in this passage. God wants to provide for you. God wants to protect you. He actually wants to walk this life alongside you. And he actually gives each and every person here today access to his power so we can live all out everything that God has planned for our lives. Because he is a good dad. And he's not handing out snakes and, and stones. He actually gives Good gifts is what the Bible says. Psalms 84 and verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. God wants to be your ultimate guardrail today. He wants to lead you and guide you into that place that's actually best for your life, and he's the ultimate protector and defender for you, and you are his prized possession is what the Bible says. He is a good God, and he withholds no good thing to those who ask, and maybe the honest assessment of our lives today is that, man, I had a bunch of accidents in my life, Josh, and you know, you've ignored every warning sign that you've passed along the way. Maybe you've taken your life over a cliff or two, and, and maybe the label that you'd write over uh, the, the sections of your story is, is wreck and failure, man, and, and I've messed up, and, and, and I'm just kind of stuck in this ditch, and maybe you've fallen asleep at the wheel at some key areas of your life, and that's caused a lot of hurt and a lot of uh, uh, financial debt and brokenness and, and, and relational loss. I want you to know that there's hope for you today. I want you to know that you can live a godly success story starting right now. And that the Lord your God is a sun and shield for you. And he gives good gifts of favor and honor. And you are his kid and he is your eternal father. And we just have to run to him. And he went to the ends of the earth to set you up for success. And he did that through his son, Jesus. And you're a dad. He never withholds any good things to those who run straight towards Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity um, to make that decision this morning. As everybody, everyone, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want to give you an opportunity to, to make a, a decision based on what you heard today. I'm not going to draw any attention to you. I won't embarrass you. This is between you and the Lord. You know, something we say here at Center pretty often is this, that God loves you in your mess, and he, he loves you way too much to leave you there. So, he calls you up. God loves you in your mess. He loves you way too much to leave you there. So, he calls you up. He's calling you to a better way of navigating this life. And he's made that way possible through his son, Jesus. And the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus died so that we could be free. And he gave his life so that we can be forgiven, so that we don't have to be enslaved to this life anymore. That same forgiveness, he's actually offering to each and every person here today. If you're someone who would say, Josh, man, I need that. I need to be forgiven. I've messed up, and I've fallen over the cliff. If, 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 you're, if you could resonate that, if you're, if you're someone 
He's asked, man, I just need a redo. I need a restart with Jesus. And I, I would like to pray for you. If that resonates with you, could I ask you to raise your hand this morning so I could pray for you? Anybody here? Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else like that? Man, I just need a restart. I need a redo. Pray for me. Everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And I want to lift up the faith in this room, even if you've made this decision before. If you've raised your hand this morning especially, I want to pray a prayer over you and actually with you. I'm going to ask you to to even repeat after me. It's a kind of a a statement of faith. And again, the the, the words in this prayer, there's nothing magical about it. It's what's happening in the heart. So with everybody in here today, man, with your outside voices, I, I would love to to have you repeat this with me, especially you who, um, you raised your hands this morning. Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I invite you to come into my life. I want to trust you follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. And everybody look up here. Here's what Romans 10, 9 says. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's give it up this morning. Thanks again for joining us today. The question now is, what are you going to do with what you just discovered? Take a step to connect with us in person, or perhaps choose to support the ministry of Center Church with your financial generosity. Take your next right step and visit us online at centerchurchsd.com. See you next time.